Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Grind. I'm your host, John Spencer, so grab a mug of your favorite brew and get ready to brew your brain as we give a rundown on today's dates and some interesting historical facts, and to sharpen your wit as I toss out some random musing and facts just to get your brain gears turning, and hopefully a time to enrich your faith as we talk about our walk with Jesus. And so once again this week, it's John and Carla bringing you Brew and Sharpen on the Daily Grind. Carla, glad you're with me this week. Hello, John, and hello, Daily Grind family. It is good to be here. And we'll get this show on the road. And now it's that time on the Daily Grind to brew your brain. It's Friday. And on this date in 1900, the Galveston hurricane killed 8,000 people in Texas. Oh, that's crazy. That's bad. Oh. That's bad. But that was back before there was no warning, right. no raid. I mean, can you imagine? I'm just going about my business. All of a sudden, right. hurricane out of nowhere. Yikes. No evacuation. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. On this date in 1921, the first fall frolic was held in Atlantic City, and it was won by Margaret Gorman. Oh. And Herb Test later coined the term for the winner of the fall frolic as Miss America. Oh, well, congratulations, Margaret. There you go. And on this date in 1998, Mark McGuire hit his 62nd home run, breaking Roger Maris's record. Okay. And he finished that season all steroided up with 70. <laughs> yep. What kind of doctor is Dr. Pepper? I a think mysterious, maybe mysterious, a mysterious, mysterious doctor. I, I think he might be a physicist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He must if be. I, you know, Carla, if ignorance is bliss, wouldn't the world be a happier place? <laughs> you would think. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a true statement. because <laughs> Not much bliss amongst the ignorant. <sighs> no. I will tell you my favorite essential oil okay. is bacon grease. <laughs> One of the more essential, essential oils. So. <laughs> I think it is really the most essential. <laughs> September 8th is ampersand day. Okay. You know what the ampersand is? It's the little at symbol. All the emails. Uh, no, it's not that little it's A not. with a circle around it. It's what the is thing it? that nearly looks like a treble clef backwards. That is like for M and M or Texas oh, A and M. Okay. That and sign right there. Okay. That's an ampersand. That's an ampersand. So what is the at sign? But I don't know. It's the at sign. We'll have to find oh. that out next week. Tune okay. in on the Daily Grind as yes. we travel. <laughs> Write in, let us know, but we will, I, we promise next Friday to deliver the history of that mysterious at-sign. Yes. Oh. That's coming. Okay. So it's, it's ampersand day. Ampersand. It's date nut bread day. Oh, I like that actually. It's literacy day. I'm a fan. Yes. I'm a fan. <laughs> if you can, if you can read, you can learn anything. Yes. And it's pardon 
day. Okay. That's also not terrible. No, it's not terrible. I think it's called pardon day. Cause I think it's on this date that Gerald Ford pardoned <laughs> Richard Nixon for anything he might've done. Mm. But now it's that time on the daily ground to sharpen your wit. Okay. The reason that Hogwarts doesn't have a gym is because it's all stairs. Stairs, stairs. Everywhere. everywhere. There's no <gasps> elevators right, right, and right. they move and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're very active. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gym's not necessary. I got it. <laughs> pound for pound, hamburger, a hamburger that you buy at Whataburger costs more than a new car. <laughs> if... <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Pound for pound. Okay. The average person takes about seven minutes to fall asleep. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Takes me longer, but I know uh, people that it takes less, so I'll buy that. Yes. It depends. You know, when I'm laying there trying to go to sleep, it takes me longer. When I'm sitting somewhere still for a minute <laughs> and it just creeps upon me, it's, just, it can happen before you know it. Right. Yeah. <gasps> So reversing the I and the T in unite completely reverse that word's meaning. Untie. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Not united, but untied. Right. A group of walruses <laughs> is called a pod, a just pod. like dolphins. A pod of walruses. Did not yeah. know. Okay. <laughs> Walrus. What an interesting little creature. I know. And I still think about Sophie, the... Norwegian walrus who was like sinking everybody's boats in the bay. She kept <laughs> trying to crawl up on them to sun herself. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's nature fighting back. Like, <laughs> right. Get out of here. <laughs> David Fincher is famous Hollywood stuntman. Mm-hmm. And he w- did stunts during the movie Fight Club. And he was asked to fall down the stairs in one scene 12 times. Whoa. For a fight between Norton and Pitt, and they used the first take. Oh no, I would be so mad. <gasps> so, Carla, yeah, that's not efficient. We got it. No, let's do it again. Let's do it one more time. Carla, do you know what this sequence of numbers is? Eight, five, four, nine, one, seven, six, three, two, zero. Eight, five, four, nine. Four, nine. One seven six three two zero. No. So now you know. Eight five four nine one seven six three two zero are all the numerical digits in alphabetical order. Oh. Huh. Okay. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> now you can't not not see it. Right. I was thinking of all the famous sequences. I just knew you were going to do Fibonacci, but then you didn't. Fibonacci? No, it's not. Oh. Yeah, I know. That was just a random one, okay. but I thought, oh. Because <laughs> I know you have that special connection between, mm. like, letters and, and numbers. number counts. And... I love them. Oh. So there you go. But anyway. Got it. Hey, thanks for joining me this week on the Daily Grind, kid. I it appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Daily Grind Nation, for letting me be with you. Hey, it's Friday, and that means it is time to do some Psalms with Maritza. So we're going to look today at Psalm 51. You read through it. Anything just jump out at you about this psalm? Well, 
So King <laughs> David was having a little little affair with Bathsheba. It is Bathsheba, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Because you know Bathsheba. that you know that I one hundred percent read that as Bathsheba. <laughs> Bathsheba. But then I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Bathsheba. So um, yeah, so he had a little a little tryst with Bathsheba. I don't know the whole story, but that's what I got immediately from this psalm. And he's asking for forgiveness, correct? Absolutely. Little background again. We're this is. I mean, I'm just going to hit the highlights. But when David, we don't know these exact ages, but probably when he was somewhere between 10 and 15 years old, he is anointed king by the prophet Samuel. Then a few years later, teenager, he faces Goliath and kills him. Uh, he's probably 16 to 19, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then works with King Saul. Then he goes on the run and he becomes king of Israel at the age of 30. And we know that he is 70, 71 years old when he dies. So he reigns for about 40 years. Oh, wow. He's the guy that God picked and said, David is a man after my own heart, but he's still just a guy. And right in the middle of his reign, probably about 20 years in, when he's probably about 50, he neglects to be doing what he's supposed to be doing as a king, which is going off to war. And he's hanging out in Jerusalem. And he's up on the rooftop and he sees this beautiful woman who's probably about 20 or so taking her bath. And he says, hey, who is that? And they say, you know, he, in that, you know, uh, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And he said, you know, send her to me. And so they end up having sex. Now, a lot of the Psalms will say, you know, hey, David committed adultery. Um Maybe that's true. We just don't know. I tend to think if you're in that position of power as the king, you know this woman's married and you sin for her, the the mildest thing you could say about that is that that is like sexual assault. Right. You know, there's no, but there was no hashtag me too back in the reign of King David. So he sleeps with her and sends her home and that thinks that's the end of it. And then she drops him a line and says, uh, Hey dude, uh, I'm pregnant. Uh, so he's like, Oh, we got to cover this up again. The army is all out fighting a war where he should have been, but he calls Uriah back for some, you know, made up reason and says, Hey, while you're here, why don't you stay with your wife and sleep with her? Won't you do that? Uriah though is like, Hey, my boys are out in the battlefield. And so he just sleeps on the floor and doesn't even get into bed with his wife. Cause he doesn't think that's fair. You know, that's not, he, that's the kind of upright dude he is. Uriah is thwarting his plan. So David calls Uriah and says, Hey, I got a special message. I need you to take back to the army for me. And Uriah says, I'm your guy. I'll do it. So he sends Uriah back with this note. The general reads it. It Basically, David has said, hey, have Uriah lead an attack against the enemy. And when the fighting gets fierce, have everybody pull back and kind of leave him by himself. And so he and that's what they do. So Uriah carries his own death sentence and hands it to the general. And then he gets murdered by this scheme so that no one will be able to not say that he was 
you know, sleeping with his wife when he came back to Jerusalem that time. So he sleeps with his wife, has him killed. And then he think that's kind of how things are going. And then Nathan, the prophet shows up and tells David this story. And he says, Hey King, let me tell you a story. There's two families. One is a poor family and they have one sheep and it's like a member of their family. I mean, it, you know, eats at the table with them and the kids play with it. And it is, it's like a member of their family. And their neighbor's a rich dude, and he has like a hundred sheep, but he has some friends that show up, and he wants to kind of feed them something special, but he goes, I don't want to lose any of my sheep. So he goes and takes the neighbor's one sheep that is like a part of their family. He kills it and feeds it to his guest. And David, who, remember, he started out life as a shepherd, goes, I will absolutely murder the guy who did that that is like the worst thing ever and nathan the prophet goes david you're that man because you had all this power and all these wives and you went and took the wife of uriah and then you had him killed i mean just talk about speaking of truth to power oh wow yeah so says to the king you're that guy now to david's credit He is a guy, just like the rest of us, broken, prone to sin, prone to be able to misuse and abuse, you know, power and resources forever. Psalm of repentance is going to be full and public. So he, you know, pulls this full transparency thing. And that's... So I have a question. Yes, it is. So this is all happening before Jesus or after Jesus? Way before Jesus. Okay. This is all before. This is Old Testament, right? Old Testament. Yeah. This is probably thousand years before Jesus. Yeah. So the when I read it, that's what he's basically saying. He is just completely repenting and saying, please, please forgive me. He doesn't want to be that person. Yeah. Yeah. He just is like, in fact, he says things like, I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. And he says, you, against you, and you only have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. Just pours it all out. Well, yeah, and it's uh, definitely a heartfelt plea. Like, this is, you yeah. can, reading it, you can definitely uh, see where it's like, no, 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 I, I, I 100% know what I did wrong, and I'm, I'm begging you. My heart aches because I just... I know what I did was 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 it a contrite heart is the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he uses. I love it. Verse 10 through 12, where he says, you know, mm-hmm. create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Don't cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. Mm. David goes, the, what matters most is not me being king and not you know, doing this and that. It's, it's that he gets that we were created to be in a relationship with God. And he goes, my sin has cut me off from that. And you are the only one who I can look to for forgiveness and restoration. And he asked God, after all acknowledging all his sin, he says, but God, that's not enough. Create a clean heart in me. Renew that right spirit in me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't cast me away from your presence. And then he goes on to say, because if I do that, 
verse 13, I will, I will tell people what you've done. Teach transgressors your ways. I will, so that sinners can turn back to you because that's how I am for me. Deliver me from my guilt because you're my God, my Savior. My tongue will sing to you, but it's, but it's so heartfelt and raw. Well, yeah, because it's, it's the psalm is, is teaching you humility, accountability, and then, of course, the power of, of the divine uh, mercy. Because yeah. we are human and we fail. Yeah, everybody, everybody. There's nothing I could sacrifice to cover this sin. You know, only you can do it. He said, really, you aren't about all the ritual. What you really want is a broken and contrite heart. Come to God acknowledging our need for him. He goes, that's where we can begin. Mm -hmm. This is probably a bad analogy, but I know I've got some friends who go to AA meetings and they talk about the fact that you you can't begin the journey to sobriety until you admit that you're a drunk. Yeah. Do you own the fact that you're an alcoholic? And a lot of people just never want to own it. And I think with our sin, it's that same way until I come to God and go, you know what? Without you, I am hopeless and helpless because you are the only hope I have. Um, and David gets that. And I think this is a, this is one of those really kind of moving Psalms to be. What jumped out at you in it? Oh, definitely. Well, the, the three things that you saw right away, humility, accountability, and then, like I said, that the divine mercy uh, from that and that humans fail. But it also made me think we are all sinners and we all make choices. And sometimes we make some really poor choices because it makes us feel good. And it's kind of yeah. like, um, you know, it. and I, I know that this one's about adultery, but it's even just as much as like, um, like when you think of like, how could that person do that to me? I could hurt them. And mm. that's not, mm. that's still a sin. I mean, that's a sin. You shouldn't want that. And you think it and you, you don't act upon it sometimes, you know, most of the time, uh, most people don't, but you still had that type of aggression or you still had that. And so, but yet we still ask for forgiveness and, and then it seems to wonder like, is it okay to not forgive somebody? <laughs> well, you know, there's it, a couple of people weird... that there's a couple of people that really have a hard time forgiving for stuff. <laughs> But yet this person is asking for forgiveness because he recognized what he did was wrong. Yeah. I, I really think God says in his word to us, if I, if I withhold forgiveness of somebody, it really has no impact on them, but it negatively affects me. Yeah. You know, my dad always used to say, like, if you, if you unforgiveness and harboring unforgiveness about somebody is like, you taking poison and hoping that it will kill that other person. Oh yeah. I've actually heard you're... you tell me I've actually heard you tell me that before and I've never known how right that was. It's a true statement. This story, I think also in a real practical sense, you see this played out all the time, is that people do wrong things. What really gets them in trouble and compounds it is when they try to cover up the mistake they made yeah like it always makes it so much worse um and we have all these points where we could repent but david had to get to i mean rock bottom and then he but he starts that whole plea out in verse one and i love it he says have mercy on me oh god according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion which is 
amazing that that God doesn't look at us like, oh, I can't believe what you did. But he goes, you know, what I want to do is make you new. What I want to offer you is a new chance at life. You know, I want to give you uh, a way not to just escape the consequence eternally, you know, for hate what you've done wrong, but, but give you a real restored new hope now. And I, that's why I think I love verse 10 because David's plea is not just to, Hey, forgive me for this, but, but make me a different person, create a clean heart in me because in, in my own, I can't pull this off. What's also interesting about this is that I think the part that bothered um, David the most was not so much the fact of him committing the adultery, but what it represents. And mm. because, like you said, he was a shepherd before. And I mean, it is exactly the analogy that was given to him is exactly something that he was familiar with. It was much bigger than just sleeping with another man's wife. It was saying, oh, I did this and just kind of dismissing it. You're right. He had all the power. He could do anything, but he chose that. And I think that's the part that bothered him the most, that power. That's power hungry. You know, he was a king. I mean, he had concubines and he had wives. But he's like, I still want the thing that's not mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think in our brokenness, isn't that so us? You know, that it doesn't matter what we in have. General. That's, why they, that's why they have so many of those 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 analogies like the grass is green the, you always think the grass is green on the other side because you always want what the other person doesn't have it's as simple as it's as simple as that's my toy wait now you're playing with it no no that one's mine it's it's yeah. just that simple it's as simple as a person with curly hair saying i want it straight and then the other person saying well i want my hair curly you always yeah. want what you don't have yeah it's a it's a natural instinct that we have we want that's that's yeah there's something about us that's just that's our the essence of our i think our brokenness just shows itself like that you know and i know even you know we would have before we had kids i'd always thought oh there's probably nothing more innocent and sweet and pure you know than a little bitty baby and what i will tell you having had four little bitty babies is that is the most selfish critter on planet earth that thing doesn't care about anybody but itself it doesn't care if you're tired or you're <laughs> exhausted it's just gonna go Wah! take care of me i mean you know <laughs> John, that is you know why because that is nature at its fullest yes uh, somebody told me that we we have two beings inside of us our spiritual being and our natural being and that is definitely a natural we are naturally wanting it's it's when you go down a spiritual journey that you start to say is that how i want to be right (laughs) in fact that and that really one of my favorite quotes from c.s lewis the guy that wrote chronicles of narnia Mm -hmm. was just brilliant he wrote a bunch of other things as well too one of the things that he says is jesus didn't come to make bad people good he came to make dead people alive you know that spiritually we that is our journey that's where we need to be but spiritually we're we're cut off we're out of a relationship with god we're, we're dead spiritually and what god wants to do is say look i want to make you spiritually alive so that we can enjoy fellowship because that's why i created you so that you could know me 
just like I know you and we could be in relationship. And I think that's what David is saying in the Psalm is like, I've broken that. And what I want more than anything else on this earth. I mean, I'm the king. I have so much, but all I want is to be back in a right relationship with you, you know, and it comes out. And I love the fact that he wrote it down and, and, and had it a Psalm. Yeah. Cause he's saying, look, I meant it when I said, I will teach transgressors your ways so that they can come to repentance. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I did all this horrible stuff and, now, it took him being confronted. That's the other thing, too, is we need people in our lives that sometimes will go, uh, you're that man. Yeah. All that stuff that you're angry about, uh, you're kind of that person. Yeah. It's like it's it's getting that second check. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's getting that it's getting that reality check. I mean, how many times do we sit there and we throw that stone? I mean, we can. Again, that's another human nature. We want to say we want to be good people. And that's a good thing. We we all strive to be the best possible versions of ourselves as we can be. But it doesn't mean that we don't have those small hypocritical moments where we're sitting there going like, well, yeah, well, I can do this. Well, you just did exactly what you said you weren't going to do well. <laughs> and I love, I love, Marisa, you said, you know, but we want to throw that stone, which, you know, that comes from, that's a, that's out of a New Testament story. There, a biblical story. A biblical story. <laughs> yeah. There, there is, there is this uh, encounter where some people are trying to trap Jesus into stuff. And so they bring to him this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery. And they're saying, hey, Jewish law says that the penalty for that is for her to be stoned to death. Mm-hmm. And so he meets her, you know, she's just at his feet, you know, just probably terrified and crying and just got ugly cry face in the dirt and Jesus spent some time we don't know what he'd do but he's kind of drawn in the dirt a little bit and but then he turns to the crowd and he says okay yeah that's what the law says he says the one of you who's without sin can cast the first stone mm-hmm. and slowly one by one, they all walk away until eventually Jesus goes, where are all your accusers? She goes, they're all gone. And he goes, well, then neither do I condemn you. So go and sin no more. And I want to go, man, that is just one of the best pictures of Jesus. Because yeah. if he wanted to, he could have thrown a rock at her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But he goes, but what I'm here to do is to forgive. So he says, yeah, where are your accusers? Oh, they're all gone. Because God is... Uh, so overwhelming in his compassion and his love is so unfailing. And I think it's hard for us because we're so limited. We just can't imagine somebody having the capacity to forgive at the level that God can, that his grace is. Talk about unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Hey, well, that is kind of a quick, Man, backstory, look at Psalm 51. Anything else, Marita, just about that psalm? That I'll give you the last word on Psalm 51. I mean, no, it's just a wonderful theme of repentance and forgiveness and God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. All right, well, and if you're cool with it, we'll keep rolling through some psalms. There's Sounds a bunch good to of me. Them. Thanks for uh, no, thank you. spending time with me looking at this psalm and 
yeah, we'll go on for the next one. So everybody, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Daily Grind, the Friday episode where it's John and Maritza. I hope that everybody has a great weekend. We look forward to you joining us again next week on the Daily Grind. Uh, grace and peace to you from a God who is full of unfailing love and has compassion. That